Just one sec, guys. Here's the espresso I made for you. Wow, Lee, so excited to try out your espresso. Who's that? What's up? What are you guys doing? I was just making a nice espresso. Would you like... No, Lee. You'll all have to try Death Wish coffee. Kurt, isn't that the world's strongest coffee? Fuck yes, it is. Oh, man. It tastes great. Just explosion of flavor in my mouth. When I try Death Wish coffee, it feels like Jesus Christ himself washing down my throat. But, Kurt, this is a lot of coffee. You must have spent a ton of money on it. And not just American dollars, but Canadian money. Fuck, no, I didn't. I used coupon code 3 Greeners and I got 10% off. You can too! <gasps> In a world of lame, nerdy podcasts, one, no three, and maybe sometimes more nerds, will rise to the challenge. We hold these studios accountable. We celebrate the amazing feats of cinema. We sometimes rage out. We are the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, we got Spark. How's it going, Spark? Hello, hello, everyone. Happy belated Valentine's Day. I'm feeling good. Yeah, happy belated Valentine's Day. Hopefully you had a good one. Hopefully you ate lots of chocolate, celebrated with your loved one, or, you know, just watched a lot of Pornhub, whatever suits your fancy. <laughs> I did I did read some articles that said, like, Pornhub apparently, like, made itself free for, like, the entire week of Valentine's Day for people. I'm like, it knows what it's doing. It's It know, understands the assignment. That was pretty funny. Uh, and then also with us, as always, got Adam. How's it going, Adam? Doing pretty good. Ready to talk about the quantum realm and uh, <laughs> everything else going on in the industry. Yeah, and talk about like one character that looks like his design was made by a high schooler. So, yeah, can't wait for that. And then uh, we have a new edition. Juan, how's it going, Juan? Hey, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me here, and now I'm very excited to talk about Quantumania, and specifically to talk about Jonathan Majors, who looks like he's going to have a great year this year. Yeah, he, he will. It was funny, because Juan showed up to the to the press screening for Quantumania, and then he was like, I am here as press. And then they're like, yeah, yeah. Just stand over there. I was like, oh, hey, Juan, what's up? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't exactly yeah. roll out the red carpet. No, no. I felt so official. I felt so powerful. I was like, hell yes. And then I, I, I laughed a little bit. You turned to like some random dude. You're like, Adam. I was like, no, that's not Adam. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was good. That was, that was, that was, that raised my spirits. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Media, it didn't dash them, but. I uh, had a good time with Quantum Media. We're going to talk about that in a bit, but I don't know where I was going with that joke, but. <laughs> oh, I realized I have a double double thing in the notes. Okay. Okay. Um, let's start off. Marvels, the Marvels. Uh, a poster teases an epic team up in Captain Marvel sequel and confirms the release date delay. It was set to come out July 28, 2023. But it's now coming out November 10th, 2023. Which tells me Marvel is losing confidence in it. Boy, oh boy. Why would you go from, like, a summer release to, like, fall? 
I don't know. That just seems like they don't believe in it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do they do they have anything else coming out in the summer? Well, they have Guardians Gar of the Galaxy. Guardians, yeah. Right, okay. So yeah. that's going to I mean, be the big summer blockbuster. From what yeah. I'm hearing, the movie the movie had some test screenings and it didn't test like as well as Marvel wanted to. So I, I think one of the main reason why they're pushing it is yes, hopefully to do some reshoots and hopefully fix some of those problems. Uh, but I also think that you know the break from the Marvels to Captain America Four, which was the next Marvel movie, was so so long. Uh, like Captain America Four comes out like in May 2024, so. I do think that also pushing it to November, you know, makes that break a bit less long. Yeah. Uh, there's also less competition in November. It's not like mm -hmm. people don't think of November as the time for movies. So if they're a little bit less confident, I understand. Because uh, um, it's, it's tough. The movie wasn't well received, but it did super well financially. But that's in large part due to the fact that it was the last Marvel movie before Endgame. So, like, yeah. I'd, I would... It, it did over a billion. I would venture if that movie was released at a normal time, it would have done, like, three or four mil. I mean, hundred, obviously. Um, so I think that they probably know that and are like, we need to... We need, we need to position this better. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, too, is, like, they've put out movies in November before Eternals came out in November... Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever came out in November so they've definitely done November releases and I think they seemingly do okay all things considered I know Spider-Man I mean that was a December release and that did pretty well so I think I think they'll do okay but it just I don't know just seemed like a weird thing to like just free up a spot in like the busy July window i'm sure all the movie studios that cleared out july because they were worried they were gonna get, get like crushed by a marvel movie or no like shit can we get things back on july 28th so it'll be interesting to see if other movies start to like repopulate that area now that marvel's vacated yeah but i don't know i'm personally not the most excited for this movie i was not a big fan of captain marvel and Miss Marvel was okay, but not, like, the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, I don't know. I'm I'm a little a little skeptical about this, but we'll see. I mean, look at Ragnarok. Marvel can sometimes surprise with the sequel, so we shall see. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm definitely interested about the director of the Marvels, Nia DaCosta. I think she worked on the Candyman remake and you know I remember the directing of that film being like very inspired uh, mm -hmm. but apart from that yeah I'm, I'm not the biggest Miss Marvel fan or Captain Marvel or Photon like when they introduced um, Marisa Rambeau in, in, in WandaVision yeah I know I wasn't the biggest fan of that either yeah Alright, speaking of Marvel's 2023 they are limiting the number of shows they're coming out with which is honestly very surprising uh, taking a quality over quantity approach, we're getting only two shows in this year, and that's Loki Season 2 and Secret Invasion. Um, there wasn't supposed to be a ton of other shows, and they all got kind of bumped and moved around. I think Marvel's kind of taking a little bit extra time to develop these shows, and I, to that I say, thank God. <laughs> I 
don't need another She-Hulk in my life. Please. Um, I don't know. Is everyone, anyone here disappointed that we're getting less shows, or is everyone like, yay? Yeah, I actually, um, like, I'm, whether I was legitimately considering not watching the shows anymore and just watching, um, like, recaps after what the show quality has been. Obviously, I'm excited for Loki 2, but um, good. Uh, but at the same time, like, Disney Plus isn't doing super well right now, and, like, Marvel's kind of the reason to have Disney. I understand families or whatever, but they have family shows everywhere. Mm. Uh, Marvel's uh, Marvel is really so they do need Disney Plus content or people are going to unsubscribe so they need to they need to walk that line well yeah I've noticed they've been doing a lot better at like promoting when the movies come to Disney Plus like before it used to be like eh it's here <laughs> now I notice like there's full blown press releases and they're having like article write ups and it's like yeah it's probably not the most exciting thing because you've seen that movie in theaters but yeah, I think they're trying to, like, at least feel like there's at least still Marvel content coming, even if it is, like, a theatrical movie coming to Disney+. Plus. I mean, that's still pretty good. I mean, the fact that you can watch most of these movies within, like, two or three months of it being in theaters is still pretty solid, so. Yeah. These were the only two shows I was actually looking forward to, so I'm not upset at all. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all in favor for quality over quantity, so yeah, this is, this is good news for me. Yeah. Cool. Alright, uh, we got some Super Bowl trailers. Uh, the big one from Marvel was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Well, that's more Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm okay with that. I, uh, I like the Guardians movies. They're some of my favorite that Marvel puts out, so... This looked to be more of the same in a good way. Anyone else excited for this movie? No, oh, hell yes. Can't wait. I'm nice. pretty stoked too. I think it, it looks it looks awesome. Although this trailer was very similar to the first trailer. I didn't I didn't notice a ton of differences. Yeah. It also seems like they're very weary on putting out any kind of plot points because they didn't really like, the trailer didn't give away too much plot. It was just a lot of, like, random scenes. Which, usually the first trailer will do that, but the second will kind of give you a bit more of an idea of the plot. But even this one was still like, nah, we're not going to talk about the plot that much. So, it makes me think they're a little... They're, they're holding the cards close to their chest. But I'm guessing that's probably because there's going to be some deaths. Some people dying. I mean, is the yeah. word third and final Guardians movie. I don't expect everyone to make it out of it alive, but, yeah. That was my main takeaway from the trailer. Is like, you guys definitely don't want to, like, talk about what's going on in this movie too much, which is fair. If Rocket dies, there's gonna be a problem. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very sad if that happens. I mean, Dave Bautista has pretty much come out and said he's gonna die in the movie, so... I mean, yeah, oh, he, yeah, said yeah, yeah. he said he's done. So, <laughs> I yeah, remember they say that. Uh, no, I'm excited too. Guardians, um, in my opinion, has like always been higher middle tier. Like both of them, um, you know, they're not the best movies in this series, but they're far from the worst. And uh, I, I, I expect this one to land well. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think it's going to be the best. I think this or The Flash will, will be the, the best superhero movie of this year. Um, and uh, and I, I don't think it's going to be close. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ant-Man 4. We're going to talk about Ant-Man 3 in a bit, but they're already talking about the fourth one, and they say that the movie is expected to be a smaller adventure. And I'm like, great pun, but also... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Quantum Media was. I, I've seen some people complain that it's a lot of setup for what's to come, so I could see them going back to like a relatively smaller scale story, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, maybe do a Disney Plus thing for Ant Man or the yeah. Wasp or, you know, those kind of characters. Yeah, it doesn't need to be this huge blockbuster. Yeah, well, I know, like, Ant-Man is also one of those characters, too, that, like, you can easily have a few different people take on the mantle, so I wonder if they'll kind of work towards um, kind of giving uh, Ant-Man, like, a replacement. I know he's got, like, the daughter, but I'd be interested to see if they ever, like, have a movie where they start kind of, like, passing the torch to a new, a new Ant-Man, but... All I will say is, if they do another movie, I just hope they take the franchise away from Peyton Reed. Like, uh, I think he's done enough. I'm, I mean, hey, nothing against the guy, but, you know, he is as vanilla as it gets, and I, I don't think he's doing any favor to the characters. Yeah, well, you know it's bad when he asks to do Fantastic Four and then Marvel tells him no, so. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's like, you know what, I'll turn Ant-Man into my Fantastic Four. You know, I'll bring in the family, I'll introduce Kang, I'll do everything that should happen in a Fantastic Four movie, but here. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually, funny enough, uh, Peyton Reed was supposed to direct the 2000s Fantastic Four movie, but then he got replaced by Tim Story. Um, so, so that's I a mean, short spot for him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. But... I thought it was funny that, like, he tried so hard to direct Ant-Man this time around with Marvel after making, like, two movies with Marvel, and then they were still like, nah. <laughs> so I think it's worth <laughs> telling that, yeah. Um, Marvel seems to at least know what lane to keep him in, so. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> clear my throat, sorry. Uh, Deadpool 3. Uh, adds Pennyworth and the Crown star Emma Corrin in a mysterious villain role. So, she played Diana in, not the last season, but the season before of the Crown. Um, yeah. I don't know who she'd be playing, though. I have no idea, but I can't wait to see. Deadpool 3, oh my god, I generally think that's like one of my most anticipated Marvel projects at this point. The fact yeah. that like the TVA is going to be a, the whole multiverse, the whole Fox X-Men, I mean, come on. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, there is always the possibility that they could like gender swap a villain. I know they did that with like Taskmaster and stuff like that, but yeah. I was trying to think of, like, if there's any, like, villains in particular that are, like, female. The most that I could come up with is the, um, uh, like, like, Lady Deathstrike or something like that. Like, I know they did Lady Deathstrike in 
Um, X Men Two. Yeah. But or three? See. No, two. Two. Yeah, I think it was two. It was two. two. And because yeah, uh, it was Herbert's Wolverine. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if they could do like something like that. Maybe. I mean, multiverse shenanigans. It's easy to just be like different actress, but yeah. That's the only thing I can really think of. I'm I'm a little at a loss at who she could be playing. Unless they want to do like a female juggernaut, in which case I would laugh. That would be amazing. I would not enjoy that, but you know <laughs> doesn't really make sense. But you know, whatever. What do I know? Yeah. Cool. Um Marvel Studios rumored to have big plans for Sir Ian McKellen's Magneto in the multiverse saga. So, um, yeah, uh, so I think somebody, I want to say it was Patrick Stewart, was asked if there was any plans for Magneto. Uh, and he was like, yeah, there's big plans. So, yeah, apparently we're getting Magneto uh, played by Sir Ian McKellen, which makes sense because I think we've kind of heard that Secret Wars is going to bring in a bunch of these older actors that played these roles throughout the decades to play them one more time in an MCU movie, so I, I mean bring in Ian McKellen, why not have him move some metal around and I don't know what if hell they yes. have sorry no, no, I just, I'm just saying hell yes ah, nice I wonder if they would have him interact at all with Scarlet Witch just be like, are you my daddy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, pe people often forget that, you know, before he was Mr. MCU, Kevin Feige was all in on those, you know, Fox X-Men movies. So, you know, I definitely see that he has some fondness for those films, and I, I can feel that he wants to give them, like, a proper goodbye before he introduces his own X-Men. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And I think, too, for the fans, like, it's, you know, I think a lot of fans would say that, like, a lot of those characters didn't really get closure or anything, right? So, yeah, I think if you do, like, one movie where you kind of leave all these characters in a relatively good place, like, it's kind of hard not to be like, well, you did you did good. Like, you left these characters in a better spot than they were in before. Sure. Go ahead. Um... Yeah, speaking of Kevin Feige, he's apparently eyeing a much bigger role at Disney than just Marvel Studios president. Apparently, um, he's looking to replace Alan Bergman, who has a bigger kind of role of overseeing all of Disney, not just Marvel. So we're talking like Pixar and Star Wars and all this other stuff. So yeah, apparently Kevin Feige's looking for a promotion. And to that I say, good for him. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. That makes sense. He's proven himself. Yeah. And uh, Disney needs some help, especially with their live-action films. So. I mean, I will say this about Kevin Feige. He does a good job of getting seat, or butts in the seats in the theaters. So, I mean, if he can do that for more of Disney's movies, awesome. I think that would got, obviously be the goal. Get some more people to watch Disney+. Plus. Also probably a good thing so cool uh speaking of star wars we're, there's apparently going to be some major star wars movie announcements and updates expected at uh, celebration 
London, which takes place in April. Um, this shouldn't be too surprising. I know there is the big um, movie that's coming from uh, the Lindelof, Damon Lindelof. So we got that. I don't know. Was the we ever hear what happened with Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie? No. I think Love and Thunder happened, and, and then that got derailed. Uh, yeah, okay, fair. I mean, I I imagine that's still being worked on. I mean, yeah. this I is think the, I... the thing, like, with these major Star Wars announcements, like, they've done, like, two or three of these so far, and, like, none of the movies have come to fruition. Yeah. Like, there was supposed to be, like, that Patty Jenkins Star Wars movie, they did, like, the whole promotion with her on the tarmac and whatever, and like that never happened. And the Taika ones didn't happen. The Ryan Johnson trilogy never happened. Yep. So, even even David Benioff and DB Weiss had their own trilogy that also never happened. Yeah, yeah, because the Game of Thrones finale happened. Yep, and then that also got derailed. Yeah. Also, there's so been like, rumors that like they're bringing back like some of the sequel characters like Ray and Finn or whatever for like a new set of movies which I'm like oh, oh fuck sakes that you damaged my psyche enough the last three yeah honestly like one of the rumors that I'm hearing that I'm, I would be very excited in is I'm hearing that they are thinking of potentially doing like a big crossover in between all of the all of the films and TV shows that are happening in like the Mandalorian timeline like they are setting up the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn. I think Ahsoka is gonna, you know, take major steps towards finding Thrawn, finding Ezra Bridger, um, and I think it would be cool if they're able to give us like this big film that is like, you know, the mixture of all of these projects and everyone comes together to fight Thrawn. But you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, also, do we have Sean Levy who worked on Stranger Things? He's actually also directing Deadpool three. Um, Apparently, he's also got a Star Wars movie in the works, too. Yeah. Um, he's doing the one with Jude Law, right? No, that's the show, Skeleton Crew, mm. which he is not a part of. I mean, there is that project, but it's not the same one as the one that Sean Levy's working on. So. Um, yeah, and there's also a movie that Kevin Feige was working with Michael Waldron on. And Michael Waldron, he worked on Multiverse of Madness and Loki. So, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's, like, been kind of nebulous and they haven't quite put announcements to. So, I imagine Star Wars Celebration will be their way, their time to be like, here's all the stuff that we've been, like, kind of... You've heard about maybe existing, but here they actually are. So, hopefully we finally get some excitement in the Star Wars universe because I think a lot of people are getting a little little bored right now um and as much as the shows are good i think we need to go back to the movies i mean the star wars movies are are something else as, as good as i like a lot of those star wars shows they just lack a lot of the oomph of the movies so yeah they should just announce a new trilogy set in the old republic and oh my god fans would go fans would go crazy if they do that i mean i would also I'd be fine too if you just brought in some characters that didn't even have any relation to the other characters for the other trilogies. Just do like a very simple here's a dude and he's a Jedi and here's a, a Sith Lord. 
Like I honestly think that's what they need. Like, don't continue the sequel trilogy. Like, don't yeah. make it tied to the Skywalkers. Just do something completely new. Yeah. No, like, just... Why, why do you, we have to keep going back to the same fucking family? Or these characters that we've yeah. seen before? Like, I... I don't mind a little bit of end reference every so often, but, like, part of what made Star Wars so great in the beginning was it was just a very unique and cool story way back in the late 70s when it came out. And now that's something that they kind of lost, and now they just go back to basically tying everything all in together. And I'm not saying you can't have, like, I don't know, Boba Fett show up at the end of this new trilogy, or I don't know, something like that really shows up. Like, have a little minor reference, but, like, have a Star Wars movie where these show where the movie can stand on its own two feet, and I I have some mild faith that that's what some at least one of these new projects will be. It's just a very cool, unique new story that is not in any direct way tied to previous characters. But we'll see. Something tells me Disney's a little too too keen on throwing in references for that to ever happen. But we'll see. Yeah. Um. Cool. Onto DC stuff. The Flash. We got our first major trailer for the movie. Um. There's also a rumor that Ezra Miller may replace Grant Gust. Or no, Ezra Miller will be replaced with Grant Gustin as the DCU's new Scarlet Speedster, which I find hilarious. Because are they ending that show? Isn't he done with that role? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know how likely that is because I guess they just wrapped up the ten seasons of that show. He could be in the movie because I think Ezra Miller like appeared on the show at one point. Um, so maybe yeah. he pops up in the movie, but I don't think he's going to be the new Flash going forward. I should also say this comes with John Campia, who I don't know. Hmm. I don't think he's got the greatest track record, so... I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the rumor, but the trailer... Oh my god, I freaking love the trailer. I, I can't wait. <laughs> my excitement... Oh, it's just off the roof now. Yeah, that trailer was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. I've been on the, uh, the Grant Dustin bandwagon. Uh, if you listen to this podcast for a while, pretty much since the beginning, I didn't understand why, if they already had a well-liked Flash, they wouldn't just keep using them. Um, but yes, the trailer looks good. Um, I, I've I've been a proponent of this movie for a while. Flashpoint is such a great story. Um, I don't. I I do worry they're gonna skip over the Flash aspect of this movie a bit to introduce like to play with the Batmans and the Supergirl, and there's some other others that have been rumored to be included as well. Uh, and I want to see that story. It's a great story of, like, Barry having to, like, come to terms with the idea that, like, no matter what he does, well, I guess I, I won't spoil it if you haven't watched it before, but he realized that, like, although time is movable, some things are inevitable, and that is a, that's a great watch. So... It's a very good story. All they have to do is tell it how it's written, get out of the way, and let the audience enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, well said. the trailer was, was good. I, I'm excited for it. I do worry that the movie will be a little busy. 
because it just looks like there's a lot going on between like you know, the Flash going back and finding his doppelganger, and there's also Michael Keaton's Batman. Then you also have Supergirl in there, and there seem to be retelling the story for Men of Steel, but from a different perspective. I don't know. There's a lot going on in this movie. I I think it could work, but the trailer just made it really hard for me to pin on like. Is this going to be a story that's like a cohesive story, or is this just going to be a big, like jarbled mess? So, I, I have mean, faith. everything else. Oh, sorry. Out of the test screenings, like people are loving this film. Those who have watched it, and like even James Gunn, who had nothing to do with the producing of this film, like you know, he's he's gone on record saying like, yeah, this is one of the best superhero movies ever made. So, ooh, can't wait. Yeah, that's why I'm like, it's probably going to work out and be okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, let's see here. DC Studios boss James Gunn teases even more fan favorite characters for DCU, promising major casting uh, news this year. Um, yeah, so some uh, website. Uh, tag James Gunn when they posted their article saying like these are the eight characters we would love to see pop up in the DCU and James Gunn replied he's like how about four out of the eight of them is that okay and everyone was like oh my god <laughs> some of them actually make sense like there was Nightwing in there and I think that's yeah. probably like a no brainer mm -hmm. Batgirl yeah. was also on that list because I was kind of curious like what's on this list that would be the ones that make the most sense um, there was Static, and that, I'm like, maybe? I, 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 I know Static's a relatively popular character, but I don't know if it would fit in this universe, but, yeah. yeah. Did anyone else get a chance to check out the list? I think I, I saw a Martian Manhunter on that list. That's a character I think could really, has a lot of potential for his own movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they wanted to do that, Yeah. Yeah, see, the, on the list is Nightwing, Terra, Superman, but John Kent version, Arsenal, Green Lantern, but the Kyle Rayner version, Vixen, Batgirl, and Static. So, yeah, I don't know, half of these people showing up, I'm going to be okay with. I think it kind of, we've talked about on this podcast at least of the new Batman movie, at least is introducing like a pre-established bat family so yeah if that's the case i would i could see those characters being the ones that show up so cool uh the dcu is slowly taking shape and i'm excited excited to see where it goes uh crossbone actor frank grillo seemingly is teasing a jump from mcu to dc studios he uh, posted something on his stories on Instagram saying, like, uh, it showed the DC logo, and he was pretty much like, let's, let's go. Let's, let's do something, James Gunn. Uh, some people have taken it to mean, like, that he's teasing something is coming. Uh, I think it's more that he's just kind of, like, showing that he wants to do something. But whether James Gunn will want to work with him or not, who knows, might not have a role for him, or maybe might not want to work with him, I don't know, but, yeah, people were taking it to be, a, I think, a bit more than what it is, I think, I don't know, is there any, I like, I like the actor, 
Yeah. Is there any like character you think you would want to play? I think I don't know. I mean, he could. He, there's a lot of like villains, kind of bad guys he could play. Um, yeah. I don't know. He he's a bit older though. Mm -hmm. At this point, and I know they're casting young. Like he's not super old, but he, like he he. Uh, He's not going to be one of the main kind of league members or something like that, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, like, someone on the Authority or something. Yeah. That would probably be, like, a pretty easy one, because most of the characters are not super well-known or anything. Hmm. Cool. Uh, the Batman star Robert Pattinson remembers to reprise his Dark Knight role for Penguin series... Uh, the Batman spinoff, the Penguin, also adds Michael Kelly, Shora Agashalu, and Deidre O'Connell. So, slowly but surely, the Penguin is taking shape, coming to fruition. That's exciting. I can't wait for that show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool that Robert Pattinson's going to cameo on it. I mean that also just makes sense too, right? That that's yeah. the world. You, it's good to have some kind of connective tissue in there. So, yeah, Michael Kelly from uh, House of Cards there too. Oh yeah, he's great. It's interesting. Do you think he'll play like a major Batman villain, or do you think he's just gonna play like kind of yep. a little henchman? He'll probably or just something? be a mob guy. Yeah, probably one of like the mob guys around the table, whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This is my corner of the city. Like, well, I'm taking over, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the power struggles for Gotham in, in you know, in, in the Penguin TV show. Because at the end of the Batman, Gotham is basically just, you know, a free-for-all. It's all flooded. It's it's no man's land, I guess. So it's going to be cool to see who are the villains who come and, you know, try to take power over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, on to more general stuff. Hellboy, the Crooked Man movie moving forward with comic book creator Mike Mignola penning the screenplay. Uh, yeah, this comes after a disastrous Hellboy, uh, remake with, um, Hopper from Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name, but Hopper, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of his name. It was Hopper. That's the best I can come up with. Um, yeah. Uh, whether they bring him back or not to play Hellboy or not, uh, maybe not. Man, just Ron Perlman, just get him back. That's what everyone wants, right? Like, well, what's with all this nonsense of bringing in new people? Just bring in Ron Perlman. Yeah, he's older, but you can you can figure something out, I'm sure. They really should get Hardo back. Yeah, they should have let Del Toro complete his trilogy. Was the I mean, I don't they know don't, why they didn't. They don't have a director for this yet. They could get Del Toro. I kind of doubt. I don't know if Del Toro would do it, but I mean, there's there's always a chance he could do this. Is is this a sequel to the Hopper one? Like like officially or No, it seems like it's a new movie entirely. They're rebooting Hellboy again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't think anybody wants to watch or remembers anything from that last movie, so probably the remake's the better way to go. 
Oh, oh, never mind. They already have a director, Brian Taylor, who directed Crank and Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, great, Crank. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know what to think of that because those movies are something else. I don't think I would put that guy on Hellraiser or Hellboy. Sorry, um, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know the action's probably going to be solid, so. Yeah, that's true. Oh, they even have a bit of a synopsis. Uh, the movie follows Hellboy and rookie BPRD agent stranded in 1950s rural Appalachia where they discover a small community haunted by witches led by a local devil with a troubling connection to Hellboy's past, the Crooked Man. This movie is actually farther along than probably even I imagined, so. Cool. Cool, well, yeah, I mean, cool. I don't have anything to say about Hellboy. Like, it's interesting to me they keep pushing this. Yeah. Okay. Um. How to Train Your Dragon. They're making a live-action remake. Uh, and it's from the director of the animated movies. But... Like I said, it won't be animated. This won't be live action. I think it's very weird that the director's remaking his own animated movie, but live action. That's 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 a little weird. But I don't know. It is kind of weird. I I don't think this is necessary. Like no. I think the the original movie is fine. Like for kids and adults. Like you know, it was a great movie. I don't, yeah. I just think this risks just. Just kind of diluting the franchise, and I don't know. I don't know why they would do this. Yeah, it just seems unnecessary, and it seems like a, a cheap studio move to like cash in on a franchise without like having to go and do a new story, rather just redo the first story. Like I don't know. It's yeah. just it just Very seems cheap. like a cheap studio move. That's what it seems like to me, but. I mean, just to argue for the opposite, I'm, I'm actually a bit excited for this one. You know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. I think they're amazing. I'm glad that the director is still attached. Uh, you know, I'm glad that the same creatives are still involved with this live-action remake. I definitely think that there's a lot of synergy in Universal Studios, especially with the fact that their new theme parks are opening up around that same time. And in the new theme parks, you know, they are relying heavily on DreamWorks Animation and in How to Train Your Dragon. So, you know, it makes sense that they want to keep those movies pumping and they want to keep them coming out for people to be excited for the releases of their new lands. Uh, but I also think that Universal Studios might see the success of House of the Dragon and they might be like, hey, let's let's get ourselves some of that goodness. But, you know, family-friendly goodness so that hopefully we'll make billions and billions of dollars. And I also think they're seeing the success of the Disney live-action live remakes, which, you know, I hate many of those. I'm not the biggest fan of Disney live-action remakes, but, you know, you can't argue against facts. The Lion King did make over a billion dollars. Yeah. So, we'll see. I, I'm not, I, I'm gonna, I probably won't see this phase right now, but that could change. We'll see. I need to see a trailer, I think, before I get too excited for something like this. I'm with I, I agree with that. I'm I'm not I loved how to train a dragon one 
and two was good. I don't remember after that. But uh, yeah, I don't. We'll see. Like they're doing Lilo and Stitch, and it's like, oh yeah, I'll yeah. watch a trailer. I'll watch a trailer, and then you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not. Can't wait to see it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what they do with Toothless. Like, how, how do they how do they bring him in live action? Mm-hmm. I hope whoever did uh, House of Dragons is involved because those dragons look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Toothless was like so cute and lovable, yeah. you know. Like to yeah. sell toys like that, you have your Toothless little plushie. I don't yeah. know. They're gonna go like super realistic, kind of like badass dragon or. Well, I think you probably have some badass dragons, but then you also have some that are, like, clearly, like... Toothless is meant to be more cute, right? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, Toothless is a puppy. Yeah. Cool. Um... Speaking of unnecessary movies, I Am Legend, we're getting a sequel, which will pick up after the first movie's original ending a few decades later. And... The movie will star Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, man. Can't they just leave well enough alone? Why? 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 Just... You don't sound very excited, Kurt. <laughs> For a 20-year-later 20, 20 sequel to, to I Am Legend? No, not really. No. Chalk me up as unexcited. I, I really liked I Am Legend. Uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of that movie. Um, I like Michael B. Jordan. Uh, I always thought they could have done a sequel, like like much earlier, obviously. But yes, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I always thought the potential was there, and this this is a way to continue that. So mm. it is kind of funny though; they have to do it from the alternate ending. Um, yeah, which I, I remember, I think I saw that on, it was like on the deleted scenes of the DVD. And I was like, man, the movie just should have ended this way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I well, do think this is part of like Will Smith trying to rebuild his image after this lap. Like, you know, he's doing Bad Boys 4, and now he's also doing I Am Legend sequel. Like, he's, he's trying to get fans back on his side, but let's see. Yeah, that's true. I totally forgot that he's not most people's favorite person right now so. yeah um i agree that this sequel should have happened like 10 years ago 15 or 10 let's say let's say 10 um it's too what are we doing <laughs> like what are we doing and i know they're using the alternative the alternative ending as canon now which is fine i watched both i i kind of liked the other one but I don't get it. Like, Bad Boys 4 makes a little bit more sense because I really enjoyed Bad Boys 3 and it was, and it did well um, yeah. financially. So, Bad Boys 4 makes perfect sense to me. But if if we were going to be, I, I, if you were going to redo, not redo, if you were going to sequel like an old, older Will Smith movie, I, I, I thought Hancock would have been the, the better choice. Um, mm. I know that. Yep. Um, What's her name? I, um, it's not Cameron. Uh, Charlize Theron. Thank you. Uh, I, I read an article uh, a couple years back that said that she would be in, interested. So I would much rather see Hancock too. Mm-hmm. 
I would love that as well. But uh, I mean, in, in in regards to I Am Legend sequel, I also think this might also be a reaction to The Last of Us and the huge success that The Last of Us is having. Like you know, it kind of feels like the zombie genre might be getting a second wind. And I mean, I don't blame them for being like, hey, we've got a franchise with zombies. Maybe let's capitalize on this. That's a good point. I think. Well, even the director did an interview, and he's like, I'm obsessed with The Last of Us. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah. Not that yeah, I think you're. That's 100 percent correct. I mean, for better or for worse. Um, the director also said too that there's apparently like in the original novel some kind of story that they're basing this off of. I haven't read the novel, so I can tell you what it's about. But yeah, apparently there's some basis for this in the in the book. So whether it's something that people are going to care about or not, we'll see. But yeah. I'm a little. I was just a little surprised to read that this week. I was like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, speaking of something else, that I'm like, oh, this is problematic, uh, for different reasons. Uh, Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling defends trans community comments in a new podcast the witch trials of jk rowling podcast uh, hey everybody it's curse from the podcast now you know that we're i'm just Amazon like Prime. oh boy this is amazing content so. problematic i don't know whatever your personal views are on jk rowling and all that i think i think she should just leave well enough alone people are already getting upset that even they're doing this podcast with her and giving her a platform to view her comments and funny thing is is you know after all it's said and done you think she would have been like I changed my views, or I've kind of changed what I what I'm what uh, you know my mindset is. Nope, still still doubling down. So I don't know. Is that is that her own podcast? No, it's some other person is hosting the podcast, and she's just basically going to be talking about her views on on the trans community. Uh, which yeah, ugh. <laughs> Sounds, it sounds like the podcast has a fun fan following. <laughs> the comments are just amazing. I would not want to be the creator of that podcast because you're going to like just you're you're going down with the sinking ship. Like, fuck. So I don't know. This comes on the heels of like people boycotting the Harry Potter game because of J.K. Rowling, which I think is I think that's a little silly because I'm like, well, people are going to make stuff in that universe it kind of just naturally makes sense like why punish people for something that she's she said so but all right well that's it for the news this week let's take a quick break and then we've got a marvel movie to review and a few other things back in a bit Hey everybody, it's Curtis from the podcast, letting you know that we're brought to you by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's got amazing content such as The Boys, The Expanse, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Goliath, and so much more. Don't have to take our word for it. Go try out a 30-day trial of the service. See if you like it. If you want to stick around, they've got low introductory rates for new users who sign up. And you're going to get a ton of other Amazon Prime benefits. So sign up today and check it out. Thank you for your time. Hey, welcome back. I didn't realize it was recording. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've all seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Let's, let's talk about it. 
Um, yeah. What did everyone think of this movie? Okay, I, I guess I'll start. And sure. I'll start by saying that, you know, I I really hope I would love this film. You know, I'm I'm ready to love a Marvel movie once again. I, you know, I've always been a huge Marvel fan, and Marvel movies have had such a big impact in my life that I really came into this one hoping I would love it. But I'm afraid to say I, you know, I left the theater being pretty much in the middle, swinging, kind of positive, but, you know, it's 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 not a, it's not a huge endorsement for me. Um, I think to be, like, you know, pretty general about it without getting in details, I think by far the biggest positive in this movie, in my opinion, are some of the performances. I thought Paul Rudd was hilarious. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne was incredible. And I thought Jonathan, Jonathan Majors as Kang just completely stole the show. But apart from that, the script in particular left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go second. I would generally ag- agree with that. I, I, th- I think this is a mediocre Marvel movie. Um, I said in my review, this is like definitely a movie you can wait until Disney Plus. Because um, like nothing... My biggest issue with this movie, which isn't the movie's fault when you're a part of a larger thing, you have to get in line. Is it like nothing? This this movie is of no consequence. Mm. Um, like not nothing. Characters, the the characters in this movie don't really um, grow in a in in a way that we needed. Uh, like Paul loves his daughter. That's it, right? His daughter yeah. is a is a young girl learning. To control her impulses and, and and powers, that's it. Like maybe Michelle Pfeiffer's relationship with her family changes, but Michelle Pfeiffer's character isn't a super, at least for me, compelling part of of, of this whole journey. Um, I I just I but I I, I would agree. Kang, Jonathan Majors, it, it it's actually a little bit uncomfortable watching to me, like how much better or let's not say better, how much more committed he is in these scenes acting wise than some of the other actors. Like I don't I don't know if I don't know if it's the director's fault or the writer's fault or the other actor's fault, but it's it's one of those things where um yeah, he's he's so good mm-hmm. as Kang that it it kind of shines a light on how on other characters not being there but it is not a bad movie it is not a bad movie it is right above average or average and i would also hear an argument for a little bit below average yeah i mean i can go next i i enjoyed the movie uh, I think in the context compared to like Marvel's 2022, this is by far like way better than much of the movies and shows we got last year. Um, I, I, I get, maybe it's because my expectations were like down in the dumps, but I was just like, uh, I'm not that excited for this. I was not in a way looking forward to, for, to it. And then... I just came in and I came in with an open mind and I was pleasantly surprised. I had a good time. I think what worked for me about this is that like the movie just kind of gets going. Uh, there's very little time outside of the quantum realm in this movie. Like there's a little bit of an intro at the beginning, a little bit of uh, kind of what their life is like 
you know, at regular size or whatever. And then after that, the movie just kind of just takes right off. It just goes right into the movie, uh, for better, for worse. Uh, I think mostly this movie worked for me. I think there was like a few glaring issues. I agree with Spark. Like a lot of the, the stuff that, uh, like the characterization stuff kind of fell flat. Uh, like the movie kind of starts off and, Scott doesn't really feel like a hero much anymore. Like, he's just kind of doing book signings and other stuff. And I thought, that's kind of an interesting kind of thing to kind of focus on in this movie. Maybe they'll do something with it. Not really. They don't really do much of anything with it. Um, and then, of course, the the meme, the giant meme in the room is the look of MODOK, which people <laughs> have been ripping to shreds online. It's become a meme. I, I, I was like, what the fuck, Marvel? Like, honestly, they should have just kept him in his, in his helmet most of that movie. I don't, it, it was, I mean, well, that might have not even saved it either, because a lot of his dialogue, too, was not, not really working for me either. So, I don't know. Modoc was a big old fail in this movie, but luckily Jonathan Majors, he, he saved the day. He made it worth it, so. Um, Yeah. What about you, Adam? What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything that's, that's been said already. Um, I mean, what I can add, I mean, yeah, this uh, this was not one of Marvel's best for me by any means. It was not the most promising start to Phase 5, though it was better than a lot of the stuff in Phase 4. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think for me, just a lot of the comedy just didn't land. Um, and I, I actually really liked the comedy in the first two Ant-Man films. Um, but this time around, I think there was, there was just too much kind of like Rick and Morty-ish type jokes of like, it's like, oh, just there's this wacky alien in this thing and blah, blah, blah. And I wish instead of that they had spent more time on character development. Um, and, pre and even though I really like Jonathan Major's uh, performance, I still don't actually know like what is Kang's motivation like what are Kang's powers like what is his backstory like mm -hmm. they kind of allude to some of that but it wasn't really made clear for me um I think the setup of that character could have been a bit stronger uh I mean because I, I I'm not I don't know anything about him from the comics like I'm sure there's people watching that they just you know they they have that background reference and they they know but I just I I don't know and I feel like I still don't know uh, I don't know if he's a if he feels like a bigger threat than Thanos either. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it seems like Ant Man and his team can take him on. So I don't know what you would need the whole Avengers for either. Um, maybe there's more to that though with one of the post credit scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, a lot of CGI, <laughs> and I. My eyes kind of hurt after all the CGI. It's like, I don't know. It's, yeah, and, and Modoc in particular too. There, like, I don't know why they didn't just do a motion capture kind of thing, like they did with Thanos. Like, they could have designed like kind of a, a a new kind of alien character, but you know, with facial features. They didn't do that, and it did not look great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. That whole character was kind of a gag, and I just like, meh. 
Which is fine, because, like, he's a, a gag sometimes in the comics and in, in other adaptations, but, like, between how awful he looked and, and that, it just didn't pair well, I don't think, so. Yeah. Adam, go, going back to what you said about that, about Kang, I, I completely agree. Even though I do believe that Jonathan Major's performance was freaking incredible, I do think that there's a lot of character work that was missing from Kang. You know, as you said, it is very unclear what his powers are, what his abilities are, what his plans are. Like, I never knew, like, okay, if he escaped the quantum realm, like, what's at stake? What, 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 what are his plans? What does he plan mm -hmm. to do? And, like, even his powers and abilities, like, even with Thanos in Phase 3, when we finally saw him, like, it was always clear what the guy was able to do, you know? Hey, we know that he's just this very strong titan, and we know he's, you know, very angry and very strong. And we know he has these gems, and each gem allows him to do a different thing. But here, Kang's just, like, kind of pulling powers out of his butt. And whenever he needs to do something, he does it. But then when the script needs him to forget to do that same thing, he just completely forgets the abilities. It, it was just all over the place and, you know, not very consistent. But I will say, like, the first third of this movie, I was, I was very into it. The first third, I was enjoying it quite a bit. But then second and third third, oh boy. Also... You know, without getting into spoilers, you know, we spent so much time talking about, like, a rebellion in the quantum realm. And I am i just wasn't the biggest fan of the whole rebellion angle. Like, it felt very generic. It felt very trite. It felt like something that we've seen so many times before in Star Wars and in other media. And honestly, like, you know, that's time you could have spent with, with Kang or with Cassie or with the relationships. And it just, yeah. It felt very unfocused, I guess. Are you telling me you can't name any of those characters, those memorable characters that, like, nobody knows anything about? Oh, I will say, I, I can mention Veb, because I freaking love Veb. You know, Veb is David Desmotion's alien who is obsessed with orifices, but apart from him, I, I don't care about any other guy. I didn't even remember yeah. his name, to be honest. I was actually, like, I didn't actually think he would remember his name, because I definitely didn't. I was like, no... Was there? <laughs> did he have a name? Like, there's that girl that Cassie saves, and I'm like, I don't even remember her name. Like, I don't remember her. At she all. was like yeah. supposedly a prominent character in this movie. I don't even remember her name, but whatever. yep. I like the dude, though. Yeah. Babs. yeah. What is his name? Yeah, I liked him. Yeah. Yeah. He was funny. I don't know if you guys remember, one, one of the trailers for this movie was so good, where, like, I remember one of the trailers, they set it up that Kang is like, oh, I'm the only guy who can give you the thing that you've always wanted, time. And then, I, I thought that's what this movie was going to be about, you know, I, I thought this movie was going to be about Scott being tempted to work for Kang, because Kang is offering him the time that he lost with his daughter. And I was like, okay, this is going to be fascinating, you know, he's not going to be just an evil guy, but he's going to be a guy that, you know, he can give Scott what he wants. And I was very excited for that, but not. Instead, they, you know, they decided to go the more generic, you know, evil guy who's evil for the sake of being evil route. Well, yeah. And then... Oh, I... oh go ahead, Spark. Uh, no, I'll go after you. I was going to say, like, it, it seemed like in this movie, like, Scott very quickly, like, just knew Kang wouldn't be trustable. Or whatever, but then like he gets forced into working with King anyways. It just felt very weird. There's some things about this movie that I think are very jarring. I'll, I'll but I'll talk about the other half of that. It's like I'll let Spark go. But what were we gonna say, Spark? 
two things. I I agree that the danger with Kang, as someone who knows like a little bit more about him, like I, is I was as soon as he was introduced as the big bad, and I think we talked about this in this podcast. Is he is too powerful to fit in the current iteration? So in order for this fight to make sense, like he has to be wildly nerfed, or uh, or there has to be just like plot armor to the gills. And so the storyline of him leaving his ship is great because yeah. even without his powers, like even without the powers that his suit and ship give him, which they didn't get into, and like that's fine, different movie, mm-hmm. he can still kill Ant-Man. Like he doesn't need it. Yeah. But that makes it compelling. But when she gave him back his powers, it's like, Kang even said, like, you're out of your league here. I mean, he had tele... What they showed, he had telekinesis. He could could create portals into different parts of the quantum realm. And he had a, a laser beam of sorts. It's not a laser, but whatever. That could uh, blip people immediately. Like, just... Yeah. And then, so he kills all of these people... And then he gets to those three on the bridge, and then he's just like, oh, let's talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't... Just don't give him... Don't fully give him his powers yet. Because yeah. otherwise, that final fight makes no sense. It could have. It would have taken two seconds to crumple them up into a ball or blip them. Anyway, that I... When he's... When he's uh, said that, I was like, yeah, that... that but, like, that's... There's also you. You could do that with any Superman movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. like. So I'm not saying poo-poo to them, as if it's the only instance. But I felt like they could have easily, writing-wise, held off on empowering him to make it a more compelling story. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I don't know. Uh, not to get too much into spoilers, but the ending definitely felt reshot to me. Um, there was a point where, like, you think two characters are gonna get stuck in the quantum realm, and then, very clear, like, I don't know, that's what it seemed like, it seemed like they were just, I'm trying to avoid major spoilers, but, like, it it just seemed like, yeah, these two characters are gonna get stuck in the quantum realm, and then just, like, smash cuts to, like, one of those characters in the street of San Francisco, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I thought, I thought they were going to be stuck there. Like, they even said earlier in the movie, like, what we're doing is a one-way trip. Like, and I'm like, okay. And then they were like, uh, no, nah, I guess not. I guess you can also use that again. So that was, like, very weird plot hole for me where I was like, okay, I guess not. But yeah. It did yeah. Pretty shot. yeah. Um, I, I just got to say, too, like, for a movie that's titled Ant-Man and the Wasp, like the wasp really wasn't in this at all. Well, that's um, probably because of I, her, her, th- her, her anti-vaxxer thoughts. <laughs> they were like, eh, let's give you a bit of a lesser um, role. Because yeah, I mean, I was, I was completely. I don't know any of the politics or whatever's going on. Like, but I just felt like she, she had like maybe like three lines in the movie total. Yeah, and I, I'm just like, this is odd. Like, but it, yeah, I don't. Maybe they cut a lot of her out because of that or something. I don't know. But, but still, it's like, is this supposed to be a Lost that. movie as well? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was wondering that myself, because I just saw, uh, like, I know that she she's very strongly anti-vax, and, yeah, seemed like she was not in it as much. Maybe they were like, 
while they were filming it, they were like, you know what, let's, let's not just have to deal with you on set. Like, oh, that was my main takeaway from it, at least. I could be wrong, but I was like, I also thought they uh, could have used more of Bill Murray. Yeah, that, like, was, that was a weird... I thought Bill Murray was it was going to be kind of like a Jeff Goldblum thing, where he kind of pops up throughout the movie. Mm. But it was really just like one scene cameo. And I'm like, that's all you got Bill Murray for? Like, yeah, that felt... I thought he usually could have came back in the end. Yeah. It almost kind of seemed like that could have honestly been anybody. Didn't have to be Bill Murray. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Bill Murray and speaking of all the different people that, you know, we find inside the quantum realm, this is one of the parts where I'm like, okay, uh, as a movie on its own, maybe it works. But when you put this movie and the world building in this film alongside with the world building and the setup that is done in all other Marvel films, that's where you start to see the cracks. Like, you know, in this film, out of nowhere, the quantum realm is like this vivid place with plants and animals and aliens and like, all of these different things but then we've seen the quantum realm so many other times in previous films and it is nothing like it there's also time dilation in the quantum realm sometimes but not here and like some people experience time dilation but not others like you know scott experienced time dilation in between Ant-Man and the wasp and endgame but then here everyone's like experiencing normal time while inside the quantum realm i also don't buy janet van dimes like okay the whole thing about how in this film she's paranoid and she's like, oh, don't send signals in the, into the quantum realm because, you know, there's dangerous stuff in there. And I'm like, sure, okay, I get it. But then you're telling me, like, you know, at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, when you were sending Scott down into the quantum realm to harvest quantum energy, she was she was perfectly fine with that. She had no problem with that. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. They also, they kind of make it they come, kind of imply that, like, Kang is the reason that they're all sucked into the quantum realm in the first place, but they never actually really explain if that if that is the reason. Yeah. Yeah, Modoc says... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, just quickly. Modoc says that he found them, and uh, he's like, appreciate the signal. Wouldn't have been able to do it without you. And I'm like, okay, mm. I, don't, I guess just... I mean, whatever, right? Like, maybe how, but also maybe who cares, right? Like, let's, does it matter how? Like, I, I, I did, I was having trouble deciding whether I thought that was fine or not. Yeah, I mean, it's like, we're gonna, we gotta get there anyway. I don't yeah, know, things like that, yeah. I just start thinking about it more, and it's kind of like, uh, does it all make sense? And yeah, you, you gotta kind of just enjoy it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't even think about all the Quantum Realm connections to the other projects, too. And it's like, yeah, that just kind of opens more things that maybe don't hold up as well. Or Yeah, it it know. feels weird. Like, you know, in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, when, they, when they get Michelle Pfeiffer, she's, like, chilling in the Quantum Realm. You know, you would think she would be like, hey, let's get out of here. You know, they're, they're after me. They're hunting for me. But, like, you know, Michael Douglas gets in there, and Michelle Pfeiffer's like, hey, what's up? And then they send Paul Rudd in there, and they're like, hey, yes, harvest the quantum energy, and they're, like, sending signals and shit. Um, but, yeah, no, she, she seems so unfazed. But then out of nowhere in this film, she's like, oh, no, 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 we can't send signals. 
that's not bueno. Um, I, I, I also find it so hard to believe that Michelle Pfeiffer, like, you know, she knows her husband is like this big brain scientist who is investigating the quantum realm. Like, you know, okay, I get it. Maybe it's a traumatic experience. Maybe you don't want to tell him like, hey, I, fought, I, I was part of this rebellion in the quantum realm. But at least be like, hey, Hank, stop poking. It, it's, nothing good is going to come out of there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, that's one of the things, you know, if, if you live by the multiverse, no, if, if you live by the cinematic universe, you die by the cinematic universe. <laughs> and the truth yeah. is, I, I, I just feel like some of these writers are getting sloppy, you know, like, yeah. you have such a good world, and you have so many characters and so many interesting dimensions and universes, the least you can do is keep this shit straight, you know, know what you're doing, know how the rules work, but, you know, we've gotten to a point where, like, some characters go into the quantum realm and like five years or three hours for them but then other people do leave a whole lifetime it's like i don't know it's frustrating i guess yeah it's like the bigger it all gets the harder it is to make sure it all connects and makes sense and they're getting a little sloppy here and there you know they're deciding things after they've already established certain other things and yeah, people, you know, they're going to go over all of it with a magnifying glass after the fact. Like, there's just there's probably a lot of inconsistencies to, to discover. But yeah, it's just one of those things that is kind of it's just kind of going to happen. Just the bigger it gets and the more stuff they do. Mm. But yeah, it would be nice if it was all neatly tied together. Like, oh, to that point, yeah. though, I did feel like this got me more excited for Kang Dynasty. Like, I don't know. As much as, like, this movie had some failings, I was, like, I walked away from this being, like, Kang Dynasty, yeah, I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's the Marvel machine, but it kind of worked for me, at least. Like, I was, I was excited for the Kang Dynasty after this, even though I do feel like this movie kind of, yeah, focused a little bit too much on, on setting that up, but... Yeah, when is that? Even no, I agree. Out? I feel like that's coming in like two or three years, something like that. So, yeah. I'm definitely excited for Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, but I'm also, you know, no spoilers, but I'm also very excited for another project that they kind of hint in one of the post-credit scenes. That I, I can't freaking wait. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time to rate this. What's everyone think of first score? Five, five. Yeah. Le down the road, right in the middle. Um, I'll give this an eight. I I did enjoy this quite a bit. Was it perfect? No. And realistically, like, if I rewatch this, it may go down to like a seven. But for now, at least I'm at an eight. And uh, I do withhold full right to change that if I rewatch this movie, which I probably will. Um, I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun enough uh, to at least keep my interest. And again, I probably would put this above a lot of what Marvel was doing last year. It, it was a lot more effective and efficient than a lot of their movies and shows last year. 
Mm. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, as for me, as I said, I thought the performances were great. I thought the first act was really engaging and really cool. Uh, I thought some of the world building was cool, even though it made no freaking sense with the rest of the universe. But I do have some big problems with the story, with the script, with the characters. So, you know, when I came out of the theater, I gave it a 6 out of 10, but I, I, I think it's gone down to a 5 out of 10. And, you know, the more I think about how this works within this big world, it's, you know, the more I, I find problems with it. Mm. Damn. You know, my gut was telling me, I, w I was feeling a five as well originally, but I, I do think you know, the performances, at least from, from Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer, were, they did bring that kind of, that gravity and that emotional weight to the film. Um, even though that did kind of clash with a lot of the, the silliness and the, the, these kind of weird jokes and everything they're making, but I think it balanced it out. It wasn't well balanced, but it, it kind of, it brought that, that's what the film needed. Um, I'll, I'll stick to my six. It probably is a five, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a six just, just for those performances, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just hope, I hope Marvel can start to rebuild with phase five. I know, yeah. There's a lot riding on this movie's shoulders, a lot that it has to set up, and and also things that it has to tie up from before. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was able to... Maybe it's asking too much of one movie. It, it wasn't able to execute at all. I think it'll be interesting to go back and rewatch this after the King Dynasty and see, like... Yeah. Like, what this may be... Like, because that's the problem with a lot of these movies is, like we're basically kind of seeing what the payoff will be for this. And it's kind of hard to tell right now, but like, mm -hmm. I, I'm curious to see like how King dynasty shapes up and what that will look like now. Um, it could retroactively make this movie more interesting for me, but it also could just flounder this movie. Even more. <laughs> so I think unfortunately the Marvel machine, all the machines are and parts are all tied in together. You can't have one without the other. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to like kind of rate and review this movie as a movie on its own because it's not quite a movie on its own. So, yep. Anyways. All right, there's still some other stuff to review this week, including Perfect Match, the new Netflix dating series. Um, yeah, it's uh, Avengers Assemble, but with the Netflix dating people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, basically the premise of the show is that they bring on, um, these people from these various, uh, Netflix dating reality shows and put them on this, uh, in this Panama resort and they have to try to match up and depending on who they match up with, they are ideally looking for, uh, the perfect match and that gets voted on. So whoever is the perfect match at the end of the show wins, uh, a cash prize. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of personalities. Uh, a lot of these people are all in other shows, so they know, uh, what they're getting into. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of zaniness, a lot of drama, a lot of tea, as they say. 
Um, I, I, I didn't quite enjoy this nearly as much as some of the other Netflix dating reality shows, if anything, just because these were people who weren't looking for real serious relationships. Um, these are people who are mostly just looking for, for one night stands, little hookups. Nothing wrong with that, but it's a little hard to root for people when you know that the stakes are not that, that high. So, um, I'll give it like a seven out of 10. It's, it's entertaining enough as like a trashy reality show, but yeah, there's not nearly as much depth to it as some of the other Netflix reality shows. Uh, and then next up is Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal, which is uh, the latest Netflix true crime documentary. It's about um, the Murdaugh family, which I think some people will know. Uh, I know down in the States, like, there's there's a big criminal case going on with that. Uh, and this documentary kind of touches on that, like a lot of the backstory of the family, a lot of the backstory of what's happening with them right now in the news. Um, it's good. It doesn't cover everything, obviously, just because things are still happening and they have to finish the show by a certain date. So, interestingly, compared to a lot of the other Netflix reality shows, this was tagged as a season one, so I'm assuming we're going to get a season two. They'll flesh it out more. Um, so... It was effective. It was good. Uh, again, you know, there's more to this story that's happened since the show was filmed. So you're kind of not getting the full story. That's just natural with kind of shows like this. But yeah, it's it's a solid eight out of ten. If you like the true crime, true crime, sorry, shows, it's um, it's interesting enough. Okay. Um. Cool. And then finally is Marlowe, the new Liam Neeson movie. And I think Liam Neeson may want to just retire at this point because this movie was not that great. Um, I was... I, I, even when uh, Liam Neeson makes not great movies, I tend to at least watch them. Because at least they should be interesting enough. The problem with this movie is it was... It was very dull very boring there wasn't a whole lot going on with it um yeah i mean it's saved by some of the performances diane kruger alan cumming liam neeson like they're relatively decent performances but i think they don't quite save the movie fully um so i'd give this like a six out of ten it's it was not quite what it needed to be it could have been a lot more exciting considering what it was so Cool. Um, let's take one last quick break, and then we're going to talk about The Last of Us Episode 5. And that will be back in a bit. Hey, Spark. Have you listened to the newest album by Smash Mouth? No, I haven't gotten my copy yet. Oh, man, it's the bomb. Oh, I heard they were going to use this for that new movie with Mike Myers, Shrek. It's okay. I mean, it's no walking on the sun, though. Ah, the ghost! I'm the ghost of What's streaming? You can magically play any song you want. It's pretty cool. In fact, 
Amazon Music offers a three-month trial for new users to check out its vast selection. Amazon? Like the website that sells books? Yes! In fact, take a look! What's this? It looks like a remote control, but from the future. It's a device that you can stream on, in fact. Why don't you go to http colon forward slash forward slash getamazonmusic.com forward slash creamreverts so you can try the service for free for one month. If you don't like it, you cannot subscribe at any time. Wow, there's a lot here. Yeah, there is. What's dubstep? All right, we're back. We're talking The Last of Us, which we were just talking about. Like, we like totally forgot that it was not out on Sunday last week. It was out on Friday. So, yeah, even a bit more of a wait than usual for for a new episode. But uh, made sense. They had the Super Bowl, so they had to work around that. Um, yeah. One, this is your first episode with us, but, like, you've been watching The Last of Us. What do you think of the show so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. Uh, I never played the video games. I'm, I'm not much of a gamer, so I don't really have much point of comparison. That said, I have friends who absolutely adore the game, and, you know, I'm watching them, I'm, I'm watching the show with them. But I'm very impressed. I'm very, very surprised. I mean, I love Craig Mason. Uh, I loved his work in Chernobyl. And the show, it just keeps getting better and better. Like, oh my god. I think episode 3 was the one that really, like, got me into it. Mm. Um, yeah, episode 3, that beautiful love story in the middle of this, you know, horrible, <laughs> effed up world. It, it really captured my attention. And then I think episode 5 is the episode that, you know, perfectly encapsulates what this show can be. Like, you know, it, it has the tragedy, it has the sadness. It has the actions, the zombies, the horror, the, the thoughtful conversations about ethics and morality. I thought episode five was an absolute banger. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, episode five kind of gave a little bit more closure to the storylines that were started in episode four with um, the crazy girl from... <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah. This is the She was like... The actress she played the crazy girl on uh, Two and a Half Men, and then this one she was kind of crazy too, which I thought was funny. I'm like, she's very much typecast as the crazy girl. Um, yeah, I I liked episode five. I think episode five works because it had a good balance of the drama, especially with what happens with the um, the two guys that join in. And like what happens with the young the young uh, child there, but then also too like you also had some good action like the set piece where the jeep just like gets swallowed into the earth and out come the zombies or the infected. Yeah, like that was that was, that was awesome. Like it was just a, such a well balanced episode. Like everything about this just felt very well rounded. Like it didn't feel too slow. It didn't feel like it was too much action. It was just like a very good balance of everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, once again. Oh, sorry, Adam. Go ahead. Yeah. 
I was just no, gonna I'll... say this. Uh, yeah, this is one of the first episodes to kind of like not, not really uh, follow the the games, at least the first game, like so closely. Um, at least from what I remember, I played both games twice, and this this one felt like it's bringing in some elements from the second game, like with the with the other factions. Mm. Um, which is kind of interesting to see. Like they're they're starting to take a few more liberties with the story. Yeah, like I think. Henry and um, the and and the young boy like they are from the first game, but yeah, yeah there is there is a period where you're kind of with them. Yeah, um, but, but more it's the, like it's the military people. Yeah, I think they're I think those are kind of from the second game. Yeah, like, I think from so. That whole camp. Yeah, I think they're definitely trying to do a bit more to set up the second game in the season than the first game did. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I like the first and second game, I think, like, the show has been able to kind of give a little bit more connective tissue between what happens in the first game and the second game. So, mm-hmm. and obviously, if you played the second game, you know what you're in for. It's pretty uh, pretty heartbreaking, too, just with, with what's his name, Henry there and uh, his brother. Sam. Sam, yeah, that was, yeah, it was very well handled, and because mm-hmm. it was, it was just as shocking and heartbreaking in the game, and they, they translated that to the, to the show here very well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was gonna say that I think this episode has some big implications for Ellie's character. Like once again, I haven't played the game, so I have no idea where this is going. Oh um, man. <laughs> but, but I, I think, I think this is the first episode when I'm like, okay, Ellie has to grow up now like she she messed up big time not only because she you know she didn't fulfill her promise to sam uh but also because you know she was she was acting immaturely you know she was acting like a child if she would have told henry about the fact that sam was bit you know maybe henry would have had time to say goodbye and you know say everything that he needed to say and maybe he wouldn't have killed himself but she didn't you know she kept it to herself she acted immaturely she acted like a child and now, you know, two people are dead because of it. And it's 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 very sad, but I really hope we get to see the beginning of an incredible character arc for Ellie. Yeah. Well, I think the second I, uh, game, yeah. too, like, gives Ellie a lot... The second game has a lot more story focus on Ellie, without spoiling too much. But, like, I'm very interested to see, like, again, what kind of connective tissue they give in this one, that which is adapted in the first game before they go into the second game. So, you know, it's kind of nice because, like, obviously when they were first making the, the the game, like, they didn't really know too much of what they were doing with the sequel to the game or anything. But now, with the show, you kind of afford yourself a little bit of, like, awareness of what's to come. So, that's kind of one thing I've noticed with the show that I kind of enjoy. If you're comparing this as an adaptation, it's like, it does set up the, the game... Or the the second game a lot more than the first game did, so. That's uh, great. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what are we thinking for a score for this this episode? Oof! I mean, it's 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 kind of hard rating individual episodes, but. I guess I guess I would go with like a with like a strong nine out of ten. Like I I don't give it a perfect score, but the only reason why I don't is I don't really like Kathleen's character. 
uh, you know, that is a, you know, angry woman who's like the leader of the humans, I guess. I, I never bought her, I guess, uh, as like the leader of this, you know, very violent faction of people. I, I never bought that. Um, and I also felt there were some Deus Ex Machina moments. But apart from that, I, I thought this episode was firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. Nice. What about you, Adam? Probably also around a 9. Uh, I, I agree with Juan, too. I don't really buy her as the leader of this this group. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is. It is. A yeah. very strong episode. Um, I think, yeah, the the whole action set piece at the ending was was awesome too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like a big cherry on top. Yeah. Mm, I'm loving I'll, it. We'll give this like a nine. I do think it was good. Um, I do think the episode could have been a bit longer. It was on the shorter side. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd get a bit more. Uh, kind of like to flush out Joel and Ellie because the episode before did a really great job of kind of like selling us on their relationship and like kind of selling us on their chemistry and this one kind of it didn't quite like backtrack on it but it just felt like it didn't quite live up to that like it didn't quite pay off on that as much as like I was expecting so hmm Cool. Um, yeah, that's it for this episode. We'll we'll be back next week to talk Cocaine Bear, which I'm sure many people are excited. Oh to hell talk. yes! Yeah. So <laughs> that'll that'll be a movie. That that's one thing I can confirm. It is a movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.